Burnout, suicide, a really disturbing report was released today by the Canadian Medical Association. And as we focus on our health care, it gets worse. Yes, it does. Doctors are feeling the pressure and they are reporting an extreme amount of suicidal thoughts, negative feelings. This pandemic has hit and stressed out not just our system, but the individuals within our system. We're going to talk about it. But first of all, here's an explanation of what the CMA study found. Catherine Smart is a former president of the Canadian Medical Association. And earlier today, she spoke with Kelly Cotrera. Here's what she said. A lot of times, you know, what's really causing these issues is the system itself being broken. And I think that's why, you know, individual supports are important. But what's more important is creating a healthcare system where physicians and all the people on our teams can function and thrive because we're able to give patients the care they need. And if we fix the system, I think we would see a lot of these burnout issues go away. And here it is just compounding. You know, this week we've been getting reaction on the chief nurse position that's been restored on a national level. And here we're looking at doctors as well. Our system has a structural problem and it also has a people problem. The very people we are turned to to help us are struggling themselves. Michael Levitt joining us live. Chief Burnout Officer, the Breakfast Leadership Network. Michael, good evening. Thank you for joining good e- us. Good evening, Arlene. This is not surprising. We knew this was possible. We knew it was part of the problem. You know, I told a story of interviewing an ER nurse in Calgary during the pandemic, and she just broke down in tears about what was happening to her and the yelling about vaccines and people were dying. And now we're seeing, as I said before, and I'll say it again, we're seeing who lies down on the battlefield here, what's left over. Michael, this, this burnout and this feeling, how has it been intensified? for doctors burnout's been around for a long time and i've been speaking about physician burnout for several years spoke at a few conferences in chicago so in the u.s it's been a really big problem and unfortunately it's made its way to canada in the u.s regarding physician suicide a study in 2020 indicated that on average one physician commits suicide every day and that is just an absolutely alarming statistic these are the people that we as society go to in mm-hmm. our most desperate times, our most desperate needs. People you know, contracted this virus, you know, they're sick you know, with cancer and all the other things that people face on a day-to-day basis. So physicians are there and they're always there. Right now, there's a lot of them that ha- are really feeling that pressure and have throughout this pandemic because they didn't get to go home. They didn't get to work remotely as much. They were still in the trenches, risking their lives every day. And, you know, of course, during the early days of the pandemic, we saw, you know, let's support our frontline workers. And we did more or less, but unfortunately, we didn't follow through and ask, okay, what can we do to help you? And it's coming you know, crystal clear based on the study that was released on, on how bad this is. And for myself, it's extremely concerning. I used to work in the healthcare sector for over a decade, and I know the pressures of working in the healthcare system on a normal 
type of situation, not in the midst of a pandemic. And what's happened is just alarming and frightening and concerning, not only for right now, but in the foreseeable future as we lose key people, you know, nurses and physicians are contemplating not, you know, hopefully not suicide, but walking away. And as our population continues to age, we need more physicians, we need more nurses, we need more healthcare providers, not less. So it's a really scary situation that we find ourselves in. Michael, this added another element to, you know, I've talked about healthcare and cracks in the healthcare for a really long time. And it's often about money. And then there's power structures. And what do the unions want? And what are we going to agree with? And, and where do we strategize? Where does the money go? But this is something different, isn't it? And it's another element that I don't know, are we trained to do this? Because this is about what's going on in people's minds and how they feel about what they're doing, which affects how they feel about their world and themselves. You know, I referenced the doctor that started to cry. I think I started to cry when she did because it was so genuine. And the story that she told the conflict of trying to save somebody and they're telling you, no, it's a lie, it's a hoax and get away from me. And she knows they're going to die. And she's made taken an oath and she's trying to help them. If, if this is something, this is something new, a response to the psychological needs of these workers. Are we equipped with it? Are we ready for this? This is not just about bargaining and money and where it goes. I'm a firm believer that I don't think throwing extra money at this is going to help unless it's money that's going to be spent on addressing the psychological and the mental health needs of our healthcare system. Uh, it is in desperate need of that. And and even in, in the article, in, in the interview, it was, you mentioned that, and I've seen this again, working in the sector as long as I did, that physicians in particular oftentimes feel like that they're on an island. You know, they don't have anybody that they can confide in mm -hmm. because there's this persona or podium or whatever you want to call it that physicians are put on a pedestal because they are, you know, extremely gifted as far as being able to diagnose what's wrong with us, prescribe whatever treatment is available to help us get healthier. And that's a lot of pressure. And they do that day after day after day. And that situation you just mentioned with the physician crying, mm. that's something that they face all the time. You know, do, you know if someone came to you and, and you had to deliver really difficult news to somebody saying, you know what, you've got a terminal disease and you may have three or four months. I don't know about you, I'm probably gonna be crying, yeah, just yeah. trying to deliver that message. Yeah. The, these individuals have to do that all the time. And we, we, we treat them as superheroes, which they are, but you know what, they're also human beings mm -hmm. and they have thoughts, they have concerns, they have worries. They're scared about this pandemic. They're scared about the challenges that the world faces. They're concerned about are we going to be able to keep our emergency room open this weekend? We've seen that in recent days where ERs had to close because they simply didn't have enough people to work. And if you would have said that could happen in our system just even three years ago, we would have said there is no way possible yeah. that could happen. But it has. And it's definitely a, a warning sign for society 
to step up on our own to do whatever we can to help out our healthcare system and not not relegate it to our our government officials and our healthcare professionals mm-hmm. and leaders to fix it. We as citizens have a stake in this as well. We have to take care of them. We have to treat them that way. You know, I I had to go into a hospital with someone in the last few weeks and I made sure I thanked everyone as I left and I noticed what they did and I will say I I could see that it mattered because there was a sign on the wall said, we think our healthcare workers are wonderful. Please don't say nasty things to them. This is where we are right now. Michael, do individuals, as I said, do we need to take care of ourselves and them at the same time? Does showing this kind of empathy to doctors, does it help, do you think? It definitely does. And it shows that we recognize them as a fellow human being. And as a patient myself, and I've used the healthcare system from time to time. And the key thing is looking at myself and asking, okay, what can I do differently to make sure that I live the healthiest lifestyle that I can live? So I am not a strain on the healthcare system. And I think that that is a big shift for a lot of people. Because again, as I alluded to, Mm -hmm. as I alluded before, we treat healthcare as the get out of jail free card in many cases. Mm-hmm. We don't take care of ourselves. And of course, this pandemic, many of us have not been anywhere near as active as we were before. So that brings on some additional health challenges. And of course, just the complexities of life. Uh, we're, you know, we're not as healthy as a society as we were 30 years ago or even earlier than that, which means that's additional strain on the system. So each of us, if we would take just a little bit better care of ourselves, eat foods that are right for us, get some activity in, and do whatever we can to kind of reduce the stress in our lives so we don't go to the doctor burned out ourselves, that reduces the demand on the system, which means it gives our healthcare providers a little bit more breathing room to be able to do what they love to do. And that I think that's one of the biggest tragedies in all of this is Every physician that I have ever encountered in my life, both mm-hmm. personally or professionally in healthcare, they are very special people because they decided to dedicate their life to being able to provide healthcare to humanity. That is a special, special gift. And for these people to start considering just walking away from it or just even worse, you know, ending their life because of the stress and the pressure of all of this is heartbreaking. So as a society, you know, we need to figure out what can we do to help and create an environment where physicians feel safe and not vulnerable, but safe to be able to share what's going on with them. Michael, are we ready to do that? I mean, take care of yourself. I mean, just even getting this message out, I'm sure people are maybe starting to think about it a different way. People just arrive, you know, you're right. It's the system. I want it to take care of me. Where's this? I've been paying money into this. And, and then you look and it's true. These are human beings. And if they leave us (laughs) and we have a shortage of them, things are not good. We're learning a lot of lessons here post pandemic, aren't we? We're getting into personal accountability, not for, for our health as well. And that, that maybe isn't said enough. We got a lot of stuff to learn here, Michael. I agree. Yeah. Our personal accountability, we've been delegating that for way too long. And 
again, it's not, I'm expecting people to go from being a couch potato to being a person that lives at the gymnasium. And you want to ease into things and, and work with your healthcare provider before you take on any type of new exercise regime. The last thing you want to do is injure yourself and have to use the healthcare system because you didn't exercise properly. But again, it's you know, taking a long, hard look at yourself and going, okay, what's important to me? And, and this goes for physicians as well, is figure out what in life you enjoy doing and do that. I, I see that all the time with you know, teams and organizations that I work with on burnout is people stop doing things in life that they enjoy doing. And they say, well, I, I just don't have enough time. And, and they do. They do. And I know with physicians and healthcare providers working some insane long hours, there is still some time where they can do something. You know, I, one of the exercises I do in, in some of my talks is I call it a bucket list. And it's not the bucket list, do everything before you die type of thing. It's list out all the things you like doing in life. And just think of it. It could be as simple as going to get coffee with your friend or going golfing or going to CNE or whatever the case may be. So list everything out. And then to the right of every one of those things that you really enjoy doing in life, write down the last time you did them. And people yeah. realize they have not been doing things they enjoy doing for a long time. No, and it keeps the connectivity and it keeps uh, who we are. And it's, I, I don't know, they're, they're little things, but the feeling of, of being appreciated, we know, is very strong. Michael Levitt, chief burnout officer who knew there was one, uh, the Breakfast Leadership Network. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank Appreciate. you. I'm Arlene Bynum. This is On Point.